global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Vivendi paid Liberty Media $775 million to settle claims related to a dispute that arose from a 2001 transaction. As a result of this settlement, all appeals have been dismissed. Nissan Motor will acquire up to $3.5 billion of stock to enhance return to shareholders. And Alibaba Group Holding is in discussion with banks for a loan of as much as $4 billion to fund expansion plans, which could include acquisitions, according to the Wall Street Journal, which cited people familiar with the matter. Futures Higher this morning, S&P E-mini futures up 8 points, Dow E-mini futures up 65, NASDAQ E-mini futures up 22, the DAX in Germany is up 1.2%, 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds, the yield 1.73%, NYMEX crude oil up 9 tenths percent or 28 cents to 33.35 a barrel, COMEX gold is little change, down 80 cents to 12.38 an ounce. The euro, $1.1024, the yen 112.86. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much. We're talking with Susan Garamani. He's the founder and CEO of SGH Macro Advisors. We, we're talking about uh, what to expect out of the G20 meeting. The G20, obviously, um, they are meeting in Shanghai today. Have a lot to talk about, things going on around the world. I want to touch on some of those. Uh, we were just talking a little bit with Bob Hormatz about the uh, elections underway in Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to be anything that changes the geopolitical calculation at all, or is this just sort of an interim step out there? Um, it, it changes things on the margins, I think. Um, you know, the elections are, are not to be confused with the presidential elections, which are sort of a much bigger deal, the ones that, you know, uh, started the whole Green Revolution and you know, the, the, the failed Green Revolution and, and, and put in Khatami and, and Ahmadinejad during his time on, and, and then eventually now uh, Rouhani. These are elections for, for parliament and for the assembly of experts. Um, parliament, the Iranian majlis is, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it a rubber stamp. It's, it's a, you know, it has some power, um, but it doesn't really have that much power. So, you know, it, 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 and then one key thing I think that, that is, that I'd like to point out about these elections is that people a lot of times view Iran, uh, you know, from the prism of, you know, hardliners versus moderates and, which is, which is, Sort of right, uh, correct. But the 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 relationship that that the current president has Rouhani with uh, with the Khamenei with the the, the hardliners yeah. is is not as as um, as uh, polarized as it was during Khatami's time. You know, both the, the okay. Khamenei has moved to the middle, and Rouhani is is not quite as liberal. Help me with this because we have such respect for your heritage and for your knowledge. Of Persia, the basic idea of a 32-year-old engineer in Tehran, and they're not building nuclear arms or whatever. They're doing whatever they're doing. Do they have a linkage with their government, or are the people a 32-year-old engineer in Tehran, male, female? I don't care. Do they have a linkage with the elites in the government? Uh, well, you know, there, there is a, a whole sort of um, class in Iran of uh, um, of people who 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 do a lot of business a, a middle class that is very involved with some of the foundations for example and and the, with the revolutionary guards and so on so there there are you know some industries and some sectors if you're a big in big business you sort of have to deal with the government but to your question not so much you know and, and i think this is you know it's it, it this iran is somewhere 
mixed between an autocratic and a totalitarian society. It's it's more towards autocratic, where you know, for most of the people, you know, I think there, there's a relatively, um, except for on social issues, you know, with the, with the chador and hijab and, and things like that, um, it's a relatively laissez-faire um, type of, uh, of of environment for 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 the middle class. If you're in the, in the lower class, it's different. Um, there's a lot of subsidies and so on, and in the very top, it's different as well. You, you know, um, but not so much for the middle class. Are there going to be investment opportunities, serious investment opportunities yeah. in Iran in the near future yes there are and then uh, and then you know you have european companies are are already lined up people traditionally think of it as you know an oil and gas industry which is obviously the big industry in iran one thing important that has changed in iran um now as opposed to in the past is that rohani is legitimately trying to change some of the regulations surrounding foreign investment and 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 somewhat successfully they used to have very onerous restrictions as far as you know who could who could invest so the iranians are doing their bit to try to attract foreign investment at this point um they sort of scare people off there's a couple people still in jail and so on which is unfortunate and you know so it's kind of a damper on 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 some of the uh more positive sentiment the issue right now is is Mm -hmm. mostly with with the u.s um and the fact that uh, there are still concerns with dollar transactions, and, and some of the sanctions have not been lifted. And so for U.S. business, it's still yeah. hard, but I think that that should change over time. So Iran is trying to, you know, circumvent that through barter, through dealing with the euro, you know, and, and, and things like that. Well, it's at the disadvantage of U.S. companies. To right our now. national audience, coast to coast, Washington, Boston, San Francisco, New York, everybody on Sirius and XM Channel 119 as well, can American companies get any kind of fair shake doing business with a new Iran? Or do they have to set up a shadow company in Germany, name it something else, yeah. to get any business done? Yeah, well, I, I think that the uh, officially there's not a need to set up shadow companies and, and so on anymore. I think the, 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 there, there has been you know, some opening in, in not not a complete opening. There's, they, they call them the OFAC restrictions are, are you know still in place to a large extent. So the the the, the bigger issue is, is a pragmatic one and a practical one. And the the fact is that I think a lot of the banks and the, and the banking system is concerned because you know they're concerned that the rules might change on them. This is this is the biggest problem. In that you know you you have had you know some banks that transactions with Iran and then you know they they, they had. Um, they were subsequently prosecuted, and then you have presidential candidates who are saying we're going to, you know, rip up the the deal, you know, the, the day one, the nuclear deal, deal with Iran, day one that we start. So I think that's what's being, you know, the fear that things could, um, uh, especially on the banking side, um, could reverse is, is sort of the um, the, the the big uh, impediment right now. Hopefully, we'll have more clarity on that after the elections, and you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let me shift gears here and ask you about Brexit. It's, uh, as one uh, writer put it this morning, possibly going to be as significant as all the other issues yeah. like China and oil before the end of the year. Uh, do you agree? Uh, I, I, maybe not as significant. Yes, it is a significant issue. Let me, let me put it this way. And, and one of the issues is that you know the polls currently show the in vote or the stay vote. You know they, they're called both things. Um, stay with the EU is is in a has has a lead. I think the betting right now on on, on the street is kind of seventy percent. You know these these the, the UK betting shops, which people follow this. You know where where the where the retail money, so to speak, is going. The United Kingdom has betting shops. 
Shocked. <laughs> shocking, shocking. <Just> shocked. <laughs> and they do better than some of the traders, I have to say. You, you thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people pay, pay close attention to that. Um, the, the problem is that, um, is, is that, and, and we think actually that Cameron got some relatively reasonable concessions out of the EU, but they're hard to explain. They're sort of technical, and this is such an emotional issue, and, and he's being blasted, you know, um, by what will typically be Tory-friendly press has come back and, 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 and criticized him on the deal. And so, yeah, I think this thing might, might narrow you know, be, be before it widens. And it, it could end up being like, if you remember the Scottish referendum, that kind of got really close. And then, you know, ultimately we think, yeah, probably they're, they're going to stay in. The odds are that, that, that they, they don't, you know, leave, leave the EU. But uh, it'll, uh, it's going to tighten before, you know, mm. I think there's more comfort. What's the biggest concern your clients have right now? Uh, the, the three concerns, if I can say that, are, um, are really um, China, Fed, and oil and energy policy. If you want a, a, a biggest concern, one single overarching concern, I think is the, what we were talking about earlier, is, is the narrative that um, you know, that, that monetary and fiscal policy is having less and less impact, uh, so you're getting diminishing returns from, from policymaker action. And so I think there's concern about that, frankly. Uh, and not just diminishing return, but sometimes maybe even, you know, a, a negative reaction. So you're getting a lot of stories about, you know, was the Bank of Japan wrong to cut, you know, rates, uh, their, their deposit rates into negative territory? Is that having, you know, what's the cost benefit of that at this point? Are you, you know, hurting the banks more, you know, taxing the banks and so on and creating a negative uh, disinflationary sentiment and cycle rather than actually sort of stimulating the economy? So I, I think if, there, if there's one big overarching concern, it's, it's, it's really that. It's some sort of glo- the, the, the power of uh, the, the powers to be, so to speak, can China actually manage, you know, a, a soft landing? Mm-hmm. These, these are things that people are are concerned yeah. about. Sasan, thank you so much. Sasan Garamani, SGH Macro Advisors, uh, a little bit of G20 feel there as well. Mike, I've never seen this. I see it now. Our good our good colleague in financial and economic crime, Greg Ip, Greg Ip, a wonderful journalist, uh, was out on Twitter. Do you know who retweeted him? I think one N. Are Kotcherlakota. Well, he's a private citizen now. He's a private citizen, the former president of the Minneapolis Fed. Was, was it fair to say, Mike, he was a dot descended? <laughs> he he was. was like the outlier lower dot. Yeah. Kotcherlakota out on Twitter. It's a nerd fest. That's very cool. Good to see. You. I, I believe I'll have to follow the former president of the Minneapolis Fed. We will follow with another hour of your Bloomberg surveillance.